Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Thursday, December 15th, and this is People Every Day. Hello, hello, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here. Now, raise your hand if you stayed up late or woke up early to watch part two of Harry and Meghan on Netflix. You can't see my hand is in the air, but it's there. (laughs) We, of course, are going to take a deep dive into all of the new bombshells from Prince William screaming at Prince Harry after learning that his brother and Meghan wanted to step away from the royal family, according to Harry, uh, to the stress of the Daily Mail fallout purportedly leading to Meghan Markle's miscarriage. There is so much to unpack with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, but before all of that, let's take a look at what else has been taking over my timeline. We begin with a follow-up to yesterday's incredibly shocking and heartbreaking news surrounding beloved DJ and dancer Stephen Twitch Boss. Family, friends, and celebrities are continuing to grieve publicly after the So You Think You Can Dance alum's sudden death by suicide. On December 11th, just a few days prior to his death, Twitch and his wife, Allison Holker Boss, exchanged tributes on Instagram in honor of their ninth anniversary, with Twitch sharing photos from their wedding day and a caption that read, quote, Happy anniversary, my love, Allison Holker, nine years. And he capped it off with nine red heart emojis. Just the very next day, Allison posted a video of the two of them dancing to Alicia Keys' December Back to June, which Allison called their, quote, holiday Sunday fun day dance. In the video, the two are, one, really showing off some well-executed dance moves in front of their Christmas tree, and two, they both just seem really happy and in love, all of which adds to the shock felt around the world and the entertainment industry as the L.A. County Medical Examiner and Coroner officially ruled Twitch's cause of death a suicide. Tributes continue to pour in for the former Ellen DeGeneres show star. Channing Tatum expressed his grief on social media with a photo of the two of them and a caption that read, I have no words. There aren't any. My head or heart cannot understand this. There is just so much. I don't know where to begin. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith made an Instagram post of her own that read in part, I woke up this morning to the news that Twitch is gone. My heart aches for his wife, Allison, and their children. And even former First Lady Michelle Obama shared her sadness on social media, saying, quote, I was heartbroken to learn about the passing of Stephen Twitch Boss, who I got to know over the years through my Let's Move initiative and visits to The Ellen Show. The list of celebrity tributes is long and full of so much love, you guys. We may never know what Twitch was really going through, but As so many others have said, and as we mentioned on yesterday's show, check in on your loved ones. You never know what a few words of love and encouragement might mean to someone. As another reminder, if you or someone you know is considering suicide, please contact the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 or text STRENGTH to the crisis text line at 741-741 or go to 988lifeline.org. 
It is the thing that we could not wait to watch this morning. That's right. I'm talking about the conclusion of Netflix's documentary, Harry and Meghan. It has taken the title of biggest debut of a documentary on Netflix. And yes, there will be some spoilers if you have not seen it yet. So heed this warning. Here to get into it with me is none other than People's Editorial Director of Society and Culture, Michelle Tauber. Michelle, welcome back. Thanks, Janine. Honestly, I couldn't wait for today and what dropped. Let's start with talking about the personal revelations that came out of the doc, the deeply personal revelations with all the talk of mental health, especially the last few days and and not knowing what people are really going through. I want to get into the mental health struggles that led Megan to think she may not be able to even keep on living and caused her to have suicidal thoughts. So what did we learn there? Right. So this week's volume, part two, was definitely a lot more intense than the first volume. And we have heard Megan, obviously everyone remembers that in her interview with Oprah Winfrey that she, you know, she and Harry did, she did speak about having suicidal thoughts and her mental health struggles, but this was much more in depth. And in this interview, what we heard was Harry really taking ownership in a way, he basically said, I didn't realize that it was going to get as bad as it did. And I thought he made a really interesting point. He said, I didn't deal with it as I should have because I was dealing with it as institutional Harry rather than husband Harry. And that the reason for that is that the way he was brought up and the training he had as a, as a royal was that you prioritize the forward-facing optics, like how is it going to look and how will it play out? And he felt like he had lost sight. He said he hated himself for it and he didn't give her what she needed. Oh, powerful stuff. What about her mom? Throughout this whole series, Janine, I have found Doria to be such a fascinating figure. If for no other reason than, you know, this is the first time we ever heard from her in this series. She's a mom. I find her reflections on how painful it was for her to watch Megan go through this heart-wrenching and feeling like she couldn't do anything to protect her daughter um, and neither could Harry. And it was hard to hear. Well, we knew that Megan had a miscarriage with her second child because of the article she wrote for the New York Times where she addressed women being ashamed of this happening to them. But in this doc, we get more about how Harry was feeling and why he felt she had the miscarriage in the first place and got to understand like the reaction from their families. So which part of this story hit you the hardest? Yeah, Megan had shared previously her experience with miscarriage. And what was new in this volume of the documentary was hearing, as you mentioned, some of the very private, intimate details of how that happened. And I thought it was really devastating to hear that it happened the first morning they woke up in their new home. And then the other part of this that we hadn't heard previously in such a pointed way was Harry really pinning this event on the Mail on Sunday, which is also part of the Mail Online company. And he said, you know, he believed she suffered the miscarriage because of the treatment in the mail. And that calls back to a number of things, but in particular, this private letter that she had sent to her father, Thomas Markle, and that the Mail on Sunday printed, and that the stress of that, Harry says, Mm. was so overwhelming. He said, do we absolutely know that the miscarriage was created or, you know, was caused by that? And he said, of course we don't. But he also said, bearing in mind the stress that caused the lack of sleep and the timing of the pregnancy, how many weeks in she was, he says, I can see from what I saw, the miscarriage was created 
by what they were trying to do to her. Goodness, this was during the court case. Correct. Yeah, they show in the documentary that Megan is up at 3 a.m., emailing her lawyer, going over documents, that she was very involved in the case. And so Harry pointing to the lack of sleep and early in the pregnancy, they were sort of connecting the dots there. Mm, Got it. Well, we see more of the struggles that Megan was having as a woman of color. The headlines, the racist memes that came out, her feeling attacked by the, the press corps, even the royal press corps in a way. Has anyone in the monarchy that you can remember received the level of vitriol that Megan received? The tabloid press in the UK is notorious for being vicious. And that certainly has extended beyond royals even, you know, to other celebrities. When when there's a celebrity in crisis, if you look back to the days of the height of the Diana and Charles era in the 80s and early 90s, you remember the invasive techniques that were used tapping phones and obviously the, the absolute hordes of paparazzi and some really cruel headlines about both of them and their incredibly private, private details that were ripped apart, ripped to shreds. And and there were scandals involving Andrew and Fergie through the years that were also just splashed across front pages relentlessly. In this case, there was no scandal with Megan. She wasn't doing some of the things that were going on in in the era I was just describing. She wasn't doing any of those things. There was a lot of salaciousness that was sort of like happening in a way that was that made it an easy target for the tabloids at that point. I think Harry, very rightly, this is an overriding theme of this docuseries, obviously, points out that race did early, immediately enter the picture when it came to Megan. As we know, we live in a culture where that is almost always the case. And all the other things that the monarchy has symbolized in terms of oppression, that there's no question that she would have, that this is a different situation Megan found herself in. And the vitriol that she felt, you cannot separate it from all of that history and all of that unconscious bias that Harry talked about. You know, some people have pointed to, well, Kate was regularly the subject of headlines while she was oh, yeah. for the Waity Katie. Waity Katie. And again, Harry himself says, just because everyone else sort of tolerated it or swallowed it and moved on, why should they? Why should any of them? And he basically said, I didn't want that for my wife. And that specifically right there is the sense I got as to just connecting it the dots to her very high profile friendships that she has yeah. now. That's how I connected the dots is that in the midst of all of that, when Beyonce even did that and put up that picture of Megan in her music video, I think that was just another like kind of, I see you girl, I'm here for Absolutely. you. Finally, Megan's dad, we, we brought him up previously, but this is a huge role in this latter part of the series, right? That letter that we talked about that led to that court case and the relationship. So what did we hear about the series of events from Megan when it came to that letter? I would say that the biggest revelation I heard today about this was Megan saying that as things were worsening with the relationship with Thomas Markle, with her father, and the estrangement was growing, that it was, she specifically said, the queen and then Prince Charles, now obviously King Charles, who advised her to write a letter, which I thought was really interesting because she hasn't said that previously that I've heard or that I recall. Then she says the letter was 
indeed the catalyst for this entire unraveling. Clearly, I think she was sort of, again, speaking about connecting the dots. There was a point she was making there, which was, I wouldn't necessarily have done this. I was advised to do this. I've followed Mm. what I was advised to do. I hadn't heard her say this before, that it was very difficult to get that letter to him. He was living in Mexico. And obviously she said, I can't send a letter that says from Kensington Palace to Thomas Markle in the mail. So, and then she said that when she did see the image that it had been received and signed for, it didn't look like his handwriting, which to me was implying someone else got their hands on this letter. Mm. Those were things we hadn't heard. And then the entire saga from there, which was that this letter ends up being published in the mail. And after it's published, all hell sort of breaks loose. Well, there's so much to break down. We were going to take a quick break. After the break, we continue our conversation with Michelle Tauber to talk about the growing tension with the royal family now. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are back with People's Editorial Director of Society and Culture, Michelle Tauber, talking all about part two of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's Netflix docuseries. I want to get into what was alleged about the royal family. So let's start with a big one. Prince Harry hinted that King Charles's office leaked the news of his plans to the press about his and Meghan's plan to move to Canada. So is that true? So I wish I had a clear answer for you on that, Janine. The fact is the palace has, by and large, regarding all of this, not commented. We were also told today, don't expect any comments. So when it comes to this documentary, Megan and Harry said at the outset, this is their truth. This is their story. We don't have much in the way of, you know, the other side of that. Got it. Well, what did they say about their moves? Because they had plans before becoming Californians to move when they were still acting royals. That's right. And this gets a little confusing. Harry basically says it, that this was like constantly evolving and changing, Janine. So Harry says that... It was between December 2019 and January 2020 that they first floated this idea of moving to Canada. They asked Charles, who again was then the prince, because they were taking like a breather. They were a holiday, like Christmas idol on Vancouver Island. Okay. Then Mm -hmm. he said that they had also discussed the idea of moving to New Zealand in 2018 or moving to South Africa in 2019. And if you're wondering, like, why these countries, like, it's because of the Commonwealth, which I don't know if everyone knows what we're talking about when we talk about the Commonwealth. It is this affiliation of 50 plus nations that are still considered, like, under the umbrella of the crown, no longer, obviously, 
colonies, but considered now to be part of this, this quilt of nations that are interwoven by the crown. So these countries that I just named, New Zealand, Canada, South Africa, they're all with under that umbrella. And Megan says, which is of course a really illuminating point, many people might not realize that the majority of those Commonwealth nations are made up of people of color. So she felt this is an amazing opportunity and I can be a real asset to the crown here as a person of color. Wow. Got it. But we have to talk about what happened when they were like, okay, forget it. We're leaving. (laughs) The Sandringham Summit, which took place on January 13th, 2020. Harry met with the Queen, the then Prince Charles and Prince William at the Monarch's country estate in Norfolk to talk things through. And to put it simply, it went horribly. Prince Harry said that Prince William screamed at him, right? Yeah, he did say that. And that was the first time he has ever shared that. You can remember that like news crews were literally set up on the grounds of Sandringham to watch these cars of Harry, William somberly drive in. It almost looks like they're going to a funeral. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harry made an interesting bittersweet point in the volume two, where he says, this was the place Sandringham where I had celebrated every Christmas. And now I was going here for this high level summit that did not end well. Harry said that he had tried to get a meeting earlier and that was rejected and that this is the first time too that they're saying that basically when the meeting did come through, Megan had already left back to go to Canada and was no longer available to attend. And that clearly, you know, they're saying that that was by design to leave Megan out. And, you know, Megan says, when the stakes were this high and you as the mom and the wife are the target, she says, and she says, you know, you're not invited to have a seat at the table. And Harry said that it was very clear they had planned not for her to be there. So that was new. We knew Megan wasn't there, but we, they had never said she was deliberately excluded. As far as the meeting itself, when Harry said that he had this proposal, and we, we knew this previously, this couple wanted a, a one foot in, one foot out arrangement where they would be able to have their own jobs and also work in support of the queen. And he says that that was very quickly off the table that that was rejected. That is when he says, it was terrifying to have my brother scream and shout at me and my father say things that simply weren't true and my grandmother quietly sit there and sort of take it all in, which is the first time he's sort of given us that fly on the wall perspective. And you know how affectionately he speaks of his grandmother and he does throughout this documentary, but this is a point where he felt his grandmother was acting on behalf of the institution more than as a grandmother to him. Wow. He made it clear he felt betrayed, and and particularly by his brother. In fact, he says William broke a vow they made to never turn their offices against each other. So just tell me about this, about the breakdown of this brotherhood. Was this the nail in the coffin? Did we get that sense? We knew, of course, that their offices ended up very much at odds, but we've never heard from Harry what it was like on the inside for him. 
in the past, they had, he and William had agreed, we are never going to pit our teams against each other. And then he felt that that's what ended up happening because, you know, he had previously saw that that's what went down with, according to Harry, with his father's office. So he's saying that historically, they saw their father's office pit principles against each other. They had agreed never to do that. Then he felt that William went back on that promise. And the example that he cites of that, after the summit, there was a report that William had bullied Harry. And Harry now says that William's office released a statement, a joint statement from him and from William and from Harry, saying that in fact, William had never bullied Harry and Harry did not feel that way. And it was a damaging report. And Harry claims now for the first time that he never agreed to that statement and he never mm. co-signed it. And he uses that as the example of how now these, you know, he says basically William's office had turned against him. Mm. And by, by okay. extension, William. Oh my goodness. Like, this is a movie. All right, well, let's talk about Harry and Meghan's final Commonwealth appearance as senior royals. It was their last official outing before moving to North America. And Harry said he felt distant from his family at the event, which is heartbreaking. So what was that like? And how does he depict that day? Yeah, so I think most people remember that Commonwealth service appearance because they were all very stern-faced. And before they went in, Meghan and Harry were not in the procession. They noted in the documentary, like, they're not walking in as senior working royals the way that Charles Mm -hmm. and and William and Kate were. And then they all walked in, like, extremely, extremely stern-faced, took their seats. Uh, Meghan and Harry appeared to barely speak to anyone in the royal family. Everyone looked incredibly stressed. And what Harry reveals is, he says, my family often, ironically, prioritizes how something looks more than how it feels. But in this case, he says, it looked cold and it felt cold. And then the other thing I would point out from this, Janine, is that Megan reveals that in that final week leading up to the Commonwealth service, you might remember she's wearing this like emerald green dress with a green yes, hat. Yes, she looked amazing. So yeah, so she <laughs> says, you might remember other senior royals, which many people saw as throwing shade on senior royals like Kate or Camilla. You know, she said, I was basically, it was my understanding I shouldn't ever outshine them. So then she said in this volume that she chose in her final week to quote, look like a rainbow and that she wore basically a different vivid hue. She wore a beautiful blue and a bright red and and that green dress and sort of like let her light shine in that final week. Harry says we were going out with a bang. Uh, oh, oh, they did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow, so much. And we know that King Charles and Prince William are not expected to comment on the docuseries, which is currently airing on Netflix, part one and part two, available right now. Michelle, thank you for just going through the nitty gritty on this with me. It's so fascinating. Thank you so much, Janine. Well, last but not least, when it comes to the royal family, there are just so many things about their lives that I'll never experience. Having your face on money, uh, meeting with world leaders, all of the pageantry. But after watching this doc, I realized there is so much that is relatable. Siblings, bickering, uh, stressing over family gatherings, things like that. But there was one scene in this docuseries that really struck me as a true they're just like us moment. And it made me smile. So in episode six, Harry and Meghan are together when they get a text from the queen, not Elizabeth, rest her soul, but from Queen B herself. 
Beyonce just texted. <gasps> really nice. Shut up. I mean, just the looks on their faces and you can hear Harry gasp <laughs> and, and say, shut up. And then the two just in shock are reading the text together like two kids who just got their letters to Hogwarts. Just checking in. Just checking in, just casual. I still can't you believe, gonna, you I still gonna... can't believe she knows who I am. She wants me to feel safe and protected. She admires and respects my bravery and vulnerability and thinks I was selected to break generational curses that need to be healed. It just goes to show that no matter who you are, getting a message from Beyonce is an out-of-body experience. And what incredible words of encouragement for Megan. Just uh, amazing. Well, that's a wrap on our show today. You guys, I am out tomorrow. I've got a children's Christmas concert to get to. But our good friend and podcast regular, People's Senior TV Editor, Brianne Heldman, will be holding down the fort. And I know she is very excited to be hosting. I will be back with you on Monday for a brand new week of People Every Day. 